right, welcome to episode 94 of the Never Ending Glory podcast. We're getting close to 100 here. Uh, Luke Grilly here. I am back full force with my other two cohorts tonight. We have Jason Farky Farkas as well as Sean Z. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast tonight. How does it feel between the three of us? We only have one win in the league from the belt. Combined. Is that true? It's rough. Oh, it's, yeah. it's rough. I didn't even realize that. My God. <laughs> Nick Schill is just basking in his glory right now at home, sipping on his ice from his his uh, newly fixed ice maker, I'm sure, just with a grim smile. Uh, it it probably broke again. No, it's because he's house-sitting, so he, oh, he's using his... That's right. You listened to the pod already. That's right. I did. Nice. I did. Yeah, if you guys listened to the Never Ending Glory podcast, College Football Pod, uh, you'd hear about one Nick Schill's... Uh, healthy sexual activities uh we won't go into our sexual sex lives here um but you also hear that he is uh, finally under a roof uh house sitting for somebody i don't know who who would trust nick Schill to live in their house they're probably going to end up with a lot less uh whiskey or any sort of liquor or uh, any sort of alcoholic beverage in his house um once they get back from their mini vacation i'd be afraid that druggie would be trying to eat paint chips and shit <laughs> jesus <laughs> He's trying to drink the rubbing alcohol or something, or maybe the Listerine. Yeah, so I didn't um, know we only had one win. What I, the, My only defense, and I had to deal with uh, the Monday Night Man calling me yesterday after he made a big trade, and uh, mm. me couldn't believe what my record was. And I said, listen, I put some chips in. I got at the back end. I had to take LaShawn McCoy, Josh Gordon, and, you know, I tried. I got burned. Doug Baldwin's back. I did flip Gordon Gordon for Baldwin, um, and a trade we'll sh- we'll talk about later. But I, I don't really have much excuse. Andrew Luck's not explosive. Uh, I don't get any big plays, and I just muddle around to just over the century mark. And you're going to end up on three every time in our league. Yeah, I, uh, Sean, I, I I'm the one with the only win in our league. I had it over you week one, and since then I've had two losses uh, that with by a combined eight points. Thankful uh, thanks to Leonard Fournette being hurt since uh, halfway through week one. Uh, had a combined 10 points, I believe, last week from my two stud running backs, Peyton Barber and Corey Grant, because C.J. Anderson has not panned out. Uh, I traded uh, Jay Jai, who was hurt anyways, for um, Mark Ingram, who will be back in week five. So I'm treading water right now. Uh, I got the Mahomes and um, Cam Newton quarterback situation that I'm dealing with each week. Uh, of course, I started Cam after week two. If I started Mahomes, I would have got the win. It is what it is. We're moving forward that. We're on to week four and on to uh, dealing with Dan Schreckignos this week. So I, I'm hoping to Christ I can beat him. But, Farky, what's going on with your squad? Where, why are you sitting at 0-3 right now? Pete Carroll. Three, <laughs> yeah, Pete Carroll. I can't. I got to remember I can't use the language on here that I do on the bad boys of the college pod. But uh, three, three of my top running backs, their offensive lines grayed out in – the top five worst offensive lines through week three in the NFL. So I'll put part of that on me, I guess, for maybe not doing a little better homework, but also, my goodness, do something. Do something offensively with your lines, period. Well, I had the the pleasure of Philip Lindsay, and he decided rather than fight throwing for my team, hands. he's throwing haymakers and gets ejected. So that was neat. And then Booker yeah, but you goes said you out. liked a little bit of that. You liked that. I, I like the fight. That. I would prefer it when I like you know I'm officially out of contention, not like you know first quarter of a game when I haven't gotten any damn point pound. Well, I made moves, so we'll talk about that later. But I, I I'm I'm trying to figure some things out here. Come talk to me in about five weeks. I like I like where my squad's heading to. You know, again, you got Patrick Mahomes, and if, if Chris I or Mark Ingram can come back, 
be a solid RB2 for me. And if Leonard Fournette's uh, vagina, I mean hamstring, can ever get healed, then we'll we'll be in business here. Because with Devontae Adams as my wide receiver one, uh, I got Chris Godwin as my flex, my wide receiver three. Um, wide receiver two, Golden Tate, solid. So I like where I'm at. Uh, but the real question is, Farky, over under for amount of times Sean bitches about his thrown out back. Uh, set at one and a half. We're going to have the over the under here tonight. I'm going under because we recorded the college pod, and I, I guess I got a little bit of cheating on this, but uh, he was feeling all right yesterday. Oh, kinda, okay. Kind of went into a little bit of recovery mode, and he really uh, persevered through that injury. Thank you for your sacrifice, old unit. How are you feeling after all that yard work, buddy? I'm on to week four. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's talk about, before we get into week four, a few things we want to touch upon on week three, uh, just to get our listeners uh, caught up and ready to go for week four. We are recording on Thursday night, right before the kickoff of the Minnesota Vikings and the Rams. Um, again, because on Tuesday night, Sean was hurting from a bad back. I was a little sleepy from uh, getting about three hours of sleep, thanks to my 16-month daughter. But um, we are recording Thursday night. It'll be released Friday morning, as long as Jerry Burris gets off his ass. So... Farky, you mentioned that uh, the offensive line and coaching is really – well, offensive line is why you're struggling right now in your fantasy squad. So, um, you know, what is it about the offensive line and, and coaching in general that I think is what's dictating, uh, you know, the first three weeks of the fantasy football season? Well, I'm, I'm going to let Sean hit on the coaching. This, this was really mostly his topic. But in terms of offensive lines, the problem that I have is Alex Collins – his offensive line's grading out at 26, Chris Carson 28, Chris Thompson 29, and uh, Alex Collins ranks number two in the league for all backs uh, with, what is it, inbox defenders, number of average inbox defenders. So that man is doing everything on his own to fight for every point he's got. But frankly, I just I drafted some, some running backs that are running behind some bad offensive lines. That's, that's all I can say. Sean, what's your, what's your take on the coaching and the offensive line going yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, and specifically offensive coaching. But I think if you've taken David Johnson, if you've got LaShawn McCoy, it, it, those offensive staffs have done absolutely zero favors for these running backs or to take pressure off of their quarterbacks, whether it's Bradford, even Rosalind. It, it, just the lack of creativity, and then you contrast that worth with Andy Reid and how he's went into the season with Mahomes and all that speed, McVay and the Rams, and even you know the Falcons, believe it or not, Sark, game one notwithstanding, but as they've started to throw it to other guys, the whole offense starts to you know accumulate a bunch of yards, um, and, and with those yards, opportunities to score. So um, I, I just think coaching is just, it's just a major peril within the league. The ones that get it, they understand understand third down, understand fourth down spots. When you get inside the 40, it's four down territory. Stop kicking field goals. It, it's just, it's really, really a major issue, uh, particularly from a fantasy perspective. It's just driving you crazy with some of these guys you've taken. So I feel like we learn a new thing every year when it comes to fantasy football. For one year, I had this epiphany, hey, why don't I look at what other guys are drafting around me, and then I'll, I'll make my decision based on what uh, positions they need or don't need. And then I started looking at offensive lines when, when looking at running backs or, or offensive players that I wanted to draft. But now are we kind of looking at, um, I don't know, maybe, hey, you know, before we've always looked at the player. It was always you got to look at the talent, and David Johnson is an elite talent in the NFL. Ezekiel Elliott, same thing. El- yes. Elite talent in the NFL. But look at the team around him. Look at the coaching around him. I mean, in Dallas, Scott Linehan can't call his way out of a paper bag. I mean, that offense is 
been brutal. And I was down on Dak because of that, mainly because they didn't have a ton of receivers. But I thought that, oh, there's no way Zeke does not have a historic season, much like DeMarco Murray in 2014. I was screaming that from the top of the mountains. And now we're looking at, he's been, Zeke's been, not, not, Terrible, but he hasn't been worth a top three, top four pick that we that we were drafting him at. So, do we now have to take a look at just the collective offense as a whole, and maybe even the defense too, uh, when drafting guys at the top of the top of the first, second, third round next year? Uh, yeah, I mean, look. The funny thing is, is I I had mentioned this to some people. I love Kamara this year. I love McCaffrey this year. Those guys are top five guys. Now, Gurley's probably still the one just because of the running. Melvin Gordon's guy that's probably flipped into the top five if you're just redrafting. And and there's probably Saquon Barkley maybe at the fifth spot. But Zeke, David Johnson, these are major disappointments that you're expecting and you're counting on, and they're screwing you. And their offensive teams are screwing you, and it doesn't look particularly pleasant moving forward. The one thing about LaShawn McCoy... He even on shitty teams, he caught fifty plus balls. He's got like mm-hmm. eight targets the whole year through three games. Now he didn't play one, right. but that's for a team that got annihilated. To, for him to not get catches or Zeke not to get catches is baffling. Well, here, here's here, here, go ahead, Sparky. No, you go. I was just gonna say here's here's my two cents on on the offensive coaching situation in the NFL is, and this is by no means earth shattering. The Probably top 10 offenses, the teams that, that move the ball well or efficient or consistent are the teams that have a quarterback that's running that offense on the field, and the coaches trust the quarterback that's running the offense on the field. If you look at any of the other teams that Sean noted on the sheet as far as the Bills and the Cowboys and the teams that are really slowing things down, they, they don't have efficient, effective quarterbacks that are running the offense on the field. I think the only anomaly would be the Rams. Personally, I think Jared Goff has been made by the Rams. I don't think Jared Goff has made the Rams. Um, that's McVay's team. But outside of that, outside of that, I think you could plug any other, you know, pretty good quarterback into that offense. McVay is he's he's the guy right now. But overall, anybody with a solid quarterback, regardless of how bad the offensive line is, you can look at Washington. They're still scoring points, even though their offensive line rates out really badly. That's because they've got a good quarterback in the offense. So that, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, McVay's great. Uh, I still think, you know, Goff's part of it. But, yes, obviously just the coaching, the way that McVay's coached up, Jared Goff has been obviously a huge reason why we're seeing the success in Los Angeles. But I guess it goes back to my question, you know, like when we're doing our preseason rankings or pre-draft rankings, I mean, Alvin Kamara right now, you could argue, should have been the first overall pick. Obviously, Todd Gurley's been great, but Kamara's been right there with him. You know, do we have to now look forward to next year and say to ourselves, Listen, if there's a guy that we like and we can this, justify this is it, you've got to take him. This is the basis for, I think, the point. And it's something that I've literally written down, and it's I put it in an envelope and open it at the end of July in prep for fantasy season. And it's 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 the uh, – what was the, the movie where he's um, some so-and-so no matter what? I can't even – the draft day. Draft movie. day. Vontae yeah. Mack. Vontez Mack. <laughs> no matter what, it's – draft the guy that you love no matter what and yeah i think it's just tried and true and i think it's most emphasized now and and we didn't even get on Le'Veon bell and maybe that's the pivot everybody that was fearful of him and then there was others that kind of wanted to jump at it how's it sitting for them right now if they didn't back him up with connor right 
Oh, if you draft a Le'Veon Bell, you're screwed. And, you know, I actually just traded for him, and I pretty much gave up Matt Breida for him, which was a guy I picked up off the waiver wire. I, I felt that was a, a solid move uh, for my squad. If, if, if Bell does come back, which I there's no way he doesn't play it all this year. He will not lose. He does not want to lose that year of free agency or the year until free agency. I think if anything, what we're going to end up seeing is is we're going to see he's probably going to be, um, you know, coming back in week ten at the at the at the latest. But Farky, we talked this. There's no way he can be effective. It's no. just not. It, it, there's too much history and empirical data. He's going to get hurt, or he's going to be incredibly ineffective. Yeah, yeah, what what I see happening is somebody's going to be foaming at the mouth to to sign him and then want to plug him in like he's Le'Veon Bell at midseason in in Pittsburgh and he's going to get hurt. That's and you're going to see the same splits you saw last year through the first six games. Only this might be playoff time or ramping up into playoffs, and that's a risky proposition. So it, it he's got about two weeks here before if he doesn't get into camp. I think it's a major problem looking at your roster, even you, Luke, because you're not going to be able to count on him maybe in week 10, 11, 12, even though you're committed to him. Sure, no, people, I can definitely see that. People don't understand. It's, I mean, it's the same at any level, high school, college, or the NFL. It just you know, progressively gets worse. That first game that you play, regardless of, of level, if you're playing the running back position and you're getting a number of touches, let's say 20-plus in a game, you – are so sore and can barely walk the next day, it's it's unbelievable. And, and you're not going to have gonna your be... wind. Right, exactly. All right, so the good news is, fellas, I just texted you thinking I'd have to run upstairs because my daughter just randomly started crying on the monitor, but it looks like she's good. So let's uh, get into week four of the NFL season. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, tonight we are already uh, recording on a Thursday night. The Rams and the Vikings just kicked off. Adam Thielen already has two catches because he's the best wide receiver on the Vikings, but that's just my thoughts. Um, first game we can talk about, we have Buffalo Bills at the Green Bay Packers, and the the Bills absolutely stunned the NFL world last week, beating the Vikings in Minnesota. Uh, you know, Sean, take it away on this one because – you think there could be a lot of good fancy options this week in, in Buffalo and Green Bay? Yeah, I think Buffalo plays from behind, uh, so I think you know, obviously that happens. And I do think McCoy plays and he gets catches out of the backfield. I think the Josh Allen performance gave him a little bit of a boost, and he really committed to wanting to play this week. So I think he gets you know 70% of the snaps from running back as well. Um, and then I think the Packers are a big-time play. I think Rodgers, obviously, the receivers. Geronimo Allison's a sneaky little play, and... Um, I, it's going to be interesting how they play off the running back situation. Jamal Williams, to me, is one that I think is going to be the odd man out here. I, I, the, Green Bay needs some explosiveness back there. I think it's Aaron Jones, and you could see Ty, Ty Montgomery getting dusted off this week. I, I got a hot take for you. If you are an Aaron Rodgers owner, you trade him. I, I'm sorry, his knee, he looked – I know it was in bad conditions in Washington – a little, little rainy up there, a little muddy, but he looked terrible in Washington last week with that bad knee. I think that's going to be a major issue moving forward. And you got the weather and a tough defensive division. I, that's not a terrible take, certainly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Farky, take it away. i got to jump upstairs. So, boys, get after it this week, and uh, I'll hopefully jump in here the next 10 minutes or so. What I'll say on this game is the Bills weren't overly efficient at all in the Minnesota game. They forced three turnovers and and set up conversions when needed um, off the run. So I think uh, they could expose the Packers D here. I think McCoy's going to play. I still wouldn't probably play him. He's still a risk. Um, I like Jimmy Graham here. 
mostly because the Bills D is, I think, one of the top five worst or maybe the worst against the tight end. So Jimmy Graham would be my play here. I wouldn't play any of the Packers running backs. Agree with you, Sean. I think it only probably takes another week or two until Aaron Jones really solidifies himself in that role. This has a, like a 220 yard passing from Rodgers, but three or four tight end type performance. Total efficiency, maybe three or four incompletions, and he's kind of laying low in the mid-third quarter. That's what it feels like. And then from a Bills perspective, some late kind of third quarter, fourth quarter drive point pounds, um, if you're at least wishful thinking as a McCoy odor myself. Let's jump ahead. Cincinnati at Atlanta. Uh, This looks like high scoring on paper. My comment is sometimes these things can have some sputter to them, and we know the inconsistency of Sark. And Andy Dalton. So to be curious to see if it kind of lives up to the building. Billing, if it does, Gio Bernard's a huge play. Obviously, AJ Green looks like he's back and healthy, but but um, you know Boyd's sitting there as well. Eifert might be interesting because the Falcons struggle both with backs and tight ends in guarding them, and they got both safeties now out for the year. And then Falcons offensively, you just got to play them if you got if you've got the studs. And obviously, Ridley popped last week too. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think there's a number of big starts here. It's a good spot for both offenses. So you hit on pretty much everyone on both offenses. Really love Gio also. He'd be a plug guy for, for mixing in this offense in a game like this. Um, I'm, a, I'm an A.J. Green owner, so I'm hoping he you know plays through any type of nag that he may have from last week. But other than that, I think you got to play other everybody. Okay, we got Detroit at Dallas. What's your thoughts there? Zeke. Zeke, 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 he's going to continue to carry the workload. Um, Detroit's one of the find the end zone multiple Got to times. find the end zone, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't like to spend a lot of time on the main players, but but you've got to keep pounding Zeke as boring and slow and, and uh, exhausting as that offense has been to watch. Stay away from Cowboy wide receivers, no way. I kind of like Kerryon Johnson in this game. I think there's an opportunity against that Cowboys uh, defensive front for him to really get some momentum, build some momentum off of that production he had last week. Um, no Stafford for me. Dallas is too slow of a pace. I, I don't think that, you know, maybe if it was a different squad, they're going up and down the field a little bit more than I'd play Stafford. Other than that, though, I'd lay off of them. Is Kenny Galladay their number one now? Yes. It's, it's fascinating. You start to comp yes. some of his numbers and everything else. I think he certainly made a major leap. I don't think it was necessarily you know, saw by f- folks at the beginning of the season, but I, I, I know Grilly's a Golden Tate owner. I'm a Marvin Jones owner, and he's actually... I'm a Marvin Jones owner, he, And he's given solid production, but he's... The interesting thing with Jones is he stayed the number two, but it just feels like Tate and Galladay switch spots. And it'll be interesting to see how defenses start to defend. Do they do they bring more coverage over to Galladay? Because he is bigger, stronger, faster. And if it may continue to reap the benefit from Marvin Jones and Golden Tate owners. So something to watch I there. think there's I think there's one more week out of Galladay. I'm starting him in Dynasty over Callaway. I really would like to start Callaway, but I can't do it with Galladay. Yeah, plus I think you got to just see Baker on the road. But we'll get to that game. So next game, Houston at Indianapolis. I think, you know, you talked about the Dallas offense kind of plotting. Indianapolis does very similar things. They do get a couple linemen back. That might allow them to kind of get downfield a little bit more. There's a lot been made after game two of, oh, Frank Wright, he got Andrew Luck figured out. And then Andrew Luck went to Philly, and he kind of regressed to the point where he's throwing five-yard passes and nothing downfield, nothing with any zip. So was that protective against the Philly pass rush? Houston's not really shown their pass rush yet this year. 0-3, it's almost a must-win game for them. Watson's been horrible. This is kind of a tough spot for both teams. Whoever loses, 
obviously is kind of out of it pretty early in the season. But um, from a fantasy purpose, it's a tough one to have and to sell here. Yeah, there's not a lot going on in this game, especially for the Colts. Certainly no Colts running backs. I missed on Lamar Miller last week. I said it was going to be his big breakout game. Um, just it just didn't hit well. But I think this is another spot where he's sure to get at least 15 touches against a, a badly ranked Colts defense. Um, so I do like Lamar Miller here. Uh, also like Deshaun Watson. Um, also T.Y. Hilton. But, you know, something that's interesting here with the season, he's having – I really didn't realize they're they're not running him deep like they have been. And, of course, we've talked about Andrew Luck's arm, but he's averaging eight-yard routes per target, which is, is shocking to me considering his um, you know, his big play potential he's had over his career. So I, I Yeah, still his deep ball goal. prowess. I mean, he, he's always yeah. been a field stretcher, and the fact that they're working him where they are, it, it what it signals to me is they don't have a wide receiver number two, which – Everybody kind of knew of heading into the season, but it's just rearing its ugly head. And then it's also what's up, players? Who are we talking about? We're talking. Just <laughs> listen, coming in and pissing on it. We're talking Houston and Indy, and we're just pissing on Andrew Luck's arm strength. Oh God, tell me about it. I mean, they brought in Jacoby Brissett at the end of the game. That's that's wild. Yeah, I mean, and we continue. If you guys mentioned Jack Doyle being out, and then the rise of Eric Ebron too. Nope. No, we haven't. Yeah. We don't need to. We're moving on to your <laughs> beloved Patriots, Miami Dolphins at the Pats. Oh, Luke, why don't you give us the breakdown of this game? If, if Listen, if the Patriots offense can't get – here's the thing. They had three active receivers last week. They had Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan, Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson should not be in the NFL for anything other than special teams. Philip Dorsett sucks. He's not physical. He's just fast. And – Chris Hogan is is a good third wide receiver on a team. Now, when you can just bracket Gronk the whole time, it's, they can render him as being useless. And if you just have three guys on him off the line of scrimmage, get the shit kicked out of him, he's not going to get those calls after five yards from the line of scrimmage. He's always going to get beat up. He's still not going to get those calls because he's got – his handicap is he's too big, he's too fast, he's too strong. It's the so Shaq corollary. Yeah, okay, exactly. all that, so, quit whining, it don't matter. The best <laughs> is is you spent about 15 minutes on Josh mm. Gordon last last week, and don't think I didn't yeah. listen, and I listened yeah. a few days ago just laughing my ass off because now you're sucked into the vortex that that shit show <laughs> of a human being is, and you got to no. deal with that shit, and we're done with that loser. We don't have to fret about him. We don't have to build him into our roster, our models. And if he, this guy, shows up from five and a half years ago with you know fairy dust sprinkling on him and all that is right in the world, you don't. He's not even active. He's not even worth the breath. That's the best part about it. Now you got to deal with that diva ass bitch. Yeah, but they don't need the guy from five and a half years ago. They need the guy from week one that was able to score a touchdown, barely even playing in the preseason, just on, on his talent alone. What the Patriots need is they need. The guy that's lining up on the opposite side of the field, they need Danny Amendola in the slot with Edelman out. I mean, I thought that losing Amendola would not be a big deal, even with the Edelman suspension. But Amendola played such an important part in this offense as a slot receiver. And the, the Patriots' offense is struggling without that guy. I thought they thought Hogan could be him, but he, he, Hogan can't play the slot very well, at least not consistently. Uh, they need Edelman to come back week five and to be 100% healthy, which is a very tall task for a 32-year-old coming off a torn ACL. So, with well, that being said, blame, Rex Blame Bur- uh, Bill Belichick, the genius that has to, like, micromanage to death every single move and can't sign a guy for a one-year, $8 million deal or something. I got I to I say this. I hate listening to the Boston sports media, but they put it 
smack dab perfectly. They said, wait, you'd rather have Cordell Patterson and Dwayne Allen instead of Danny Amendola. Dwayne Allen, I don't think he's been targeted all year. I don't know the last time he's seen a target, and when he did see a target, he dropped it. Cordell Patterson is just really, really fast and does not deserve $3 million a year. So Amendola signed a two-year $12 million contract with the Dolphins, $6 million guaranteed. Having a guy like that in your slot isn't worth it, Bill. I mean, listen, the, the, the sky is not falling on the Patriots. They're going to be fine. They always are. Edelman will come back. He'll be decent enough, or at least enough to get this offense going. But you're absolutely 1,000% right, Sean. I know Belichick I'm right. You don't need to talk about Farky, the best part about this is Belichick is now heading into Bill Snyder, crap your pants territory. I'm, <laughs> and I'm here for it. I can't wait. I'm loving it. Oh, it's – I think it – it's going to slowly, slowly happen. We're going to watch it unfold this year. I, here's the thing. The Patriots offense better get its shit together because it's horrible to watch. I can't imagine, you know, being at the luxury of watching all those previous seasons and then having to, you know, guess on what's going to happen week by week because there's no guarantees anymore. And that's why I traded Gronk's ass. You know what? I'm, an, I'm a fantasy owner. It's what have you done for me lately? There is no loyalty here. That's he right, baby. Back to back. To, <laughs> back Exactly. Back-to-back weeks of non-TE1 production, you are out. Out How about the door. That? We're just going to leave it here. We're going to wrap up with this. Miami wins this game. New England is three games back in the AFC East. All the tables have turned. Speaking of AFC East, the well, hold New on, York, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. We're moving on. You no, got no, 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 no. I don't, the I don't New know. New York Jets. We're, this take is something on very important. The go to son the of a bitch. Jaguars. I'll talk louder than you. I will talk you do, louder than you. No. <laughs> you literally, you do your Sunday night, man. You do your Patriots reaction come Sunday. We don't got time for it. We're moving on. Jets wow. at Jaguars fantasy. Talk to me, guys. What are we looking at here? Leonard Fournette better play this football game. Otherwise, uh, the league from the villains going to. Not going to quit, but it'll be very, very disappointing for uh, for my long term success. I just have one word: yuck, Farky. Disgusting. Yeah, it, I don't care about anyone else in this game. Either Fournette plays or he doesn't. Bortles is worthless either way, and there's no wide receivers to start. So Fournette, well, and, and you know Bortles. To go back to the Patriots real quick, Bortles looked like a friggin' all pro against New England, and he puts up a goose egg. The next week against uh, the Titans. I mean, they, they won 9-6. It's it's amazing how he can go from looking so great to looking so bad. And I know the Patriots defense is, is poo-poo. But you can't go from that, that high to that low. And, you know, I started Bortles in a week last in a league last week. And fortunately, it, did, it didn't ruin the, the season or the week for me. But, God, that guy sucks. That receiver course sucks. I, I'm sick and tired of hearing about Keelan Cole being this this sleeper or D.D. Westbrook being a sleeper, if you feel comfortable starting a Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiver, you do not deserve to win a fantasy football game ever in your life. I call, he, he, has the most, he has the most targets without a red zone target this season, Keelan Cole does, because, because Bortles is so bad. Like I, couldn't, I wouldn't imagine starting him. I think the, the it wasn't thing with fun. Bortles, and, and I forget what I was listening to, they talked about it. If you keep him in the pocket, his numbers are utterly atrocious. It's And New England didn't do this in the playoff last year, and Pittsburgh didn't do it. If he moves around, he actually becomes somewhat dangerous. If you just keep him contained, it's he spazzes and he doesn't know what to do. And he's just like throws – he's just like a, a – a crazed animal that just starts running into things or, or, or just you know, <laughs> slamming into a wall. He just throws the ball into, like, the fifth row. 
So he's your brother on a Red Bull, is what you're saying? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> God forbid well, an eight ball or something. Even though I did hammer Gurley a little bit about starting him, I mean, obviously history shows he's a heck of a lot better when Fournette's out. So if you're going to yeah. start him, start him when Fournette's not playing. And that was my plan. I was like, okay, well, they're going to chuck it, no Fournette. But no, it didn't work out that way. And on the other side of the ball, I mean, you got – do you trust Isaiah Crowell, Bilal Powell? I mean, the only player that I would even consider starting for the Jets is Quincy Nunwa, and that's just as uh, maybe at Doug Baldwin, who's gonna who could be out this week, and you picked up a Nunwa off, off the waiver wire, or you you know playing a deep league, he's your flex or wide receiver three. He's the only guy that I've been talking to people on Twitter about where I actually feel comfortable with his floor in a PPR league. Anything, um, anything, you know, a standard league? No, he's he's unrosterable. I mean, he's he's pretty much worthless. But you know, we saw Sam Darnold light it up in Week One. He has not been able to to replicate that success. Uh, obviously, rookie quarterback going through the ups and downs of his rookie season. So, uh, you know, like we said, we spent a lot of time on this game. So let's move on to the next game. You know, with the Eagles at the Titans, and you know, speaking of a of a bad quarterback, guys, Marcus Mariota is terrible. I know he's got a bad elbow, but he. He just isn't good. He's not good. I'm no done with Mariota. None. Ask Jerry Burris, our quarterback expert. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Just there's no but, explosiveness. And I think if you're right. the Eagles, and I know you've got a JGI, he's got a, a broken Fractured bone back. in his back Fractured of some back, sort. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is what I was fearful of at the beginning of the year, Luke. This guy's dinged up. He has a propensity there. He was dinged up heading into week one. Naturally, he gets two touchdowns and ends up like 25 points against me. And he <laughs> literally, that will be the most uh, points he scores the rest of the season, maybe combined at this rate. And Look at the touches. Corey Clement, 19. Him. Wendell Smallwood, 13. Who was And he was more explosive when he touched it. Josh Adams was six touches. So what the hell's going on in the Eagles? Backfield, absolute mess. Passing game, Ertz and Goder basically at 50% of their touches. And then you got Aglahor after that. Uh, Jeffrey is back, but unlikely to play. So and, and Mike Walsh is out for the year now or on the IR at least. So the Eagles, interesting. They're going to weather it through winning. But I don't know if it's a terribly opportunistic fantasy situation other than Ertz. No. I think it all depends on when when Alshon comes back and how he comes back because he was a pretty good touchdown scorer last year. A uh, big reason why Carson Wentz was a top five quarterback before he got hurt. And you mentioned Godair. I, I really like Godair for the rest of the season as a you know he he will will he be a te one each week? No, but does will he have upside? I, I think so, especially with Wentz there. Wentz loves his tight end. We've seen it last year. We've seen it already this year. His first game back. I think Godair and uh, and. Um, Ertz had combined 14 catches. So th- those two guys will definitely – they'll definitely be eaten on Sundays. Um, but, Sean, on the Titans, your boy, Rashard Matthews, demanding his release. What's up with that? <laughs> no clue. Doesn't matter. Wasn't <laughs> useful anyways this season. I already dropped his ass. Uh, maybe the Pats will pick him up, and then you'll have something to expound about for 45 oh, minutes next wait. week. I'd love to. I'd love you know to. what? Sp- speaking about him demanding a trade, I'll tell you what. A lot of people have been hard on having Corey Davis owning Corey Davis. That has not been his fault. If I'm Corey Davis, I am immediately becoming a locker room problem. I'm going in there, and I'm raising <laughs> hell in the locker room. And I'm calling out my quarterbacks. He leads the NFL in in passes that are deemed uncatchable with 20 or more targets this season. So he he can't even he doesn't even have balls he can catch. So touchdown, it, Todd Gurley, baby. Woo! In terms of production, I'm going in there and I'm raising hell. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bold bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for you. Um, 
All right, Farky, we got your Tampa Bay Bucks going against the Bears. Um, you know, has there been any talk, any puns about Fitzmagic and the, and the magic being lost and the, the, the disappearing act going on in the national media or down the Tampa media at no, all? No, it, it's, it's literally become a circus. Everybody has their own take on it. No one knows what's really going down. Uh, I can tell you only what I would do if I was in that situation. Uh, we chatted a little bit about it during the game. Fitz uh, kind of came back down to earth. I know he threw for a million yards. Um, big deal. He threw three interceptions, so they lost the game. Doesn't matter. I don't care how many yards he threw for. Uh, we know who he is. He is who we think he is and who we thought he was. Last 10 years. Jameis Winston's a better quarterback. I think he plays this next game. Um, he's, Winston's certainly not starting. Uh, I think there's an outside shot if it gets ugly that maybe Winston comes in, plays a few series. But if they don't win, I think then it becomes a real 50-50 debate the following week. Well, they're on by um, week six. Yeah, I think debate's over. Yeah. If they lose and they go into the bye week, I think debate's over. I agree. I mean, they, they have so much tied into Jameis. They have nothing tied into Fitz. It's a, it's a nice story for a few weeks, and maybe it'll get him another year or two in the NFL uh, as his journey continues. But the one thing that really frustrated the hell out of me about the uh, Monday Night Football game was everybody's talking up Fitz. He's so good. He's so good. Oh, the story's amazing. It's such a good, feel-good story. And the moment that he struggles, you know, Booger McFarlane on the Monday Night uh, the Monday Night broadcast starts, well, remember, this guy's a journeyman, and we shouldn't expect this. Shut yeah. the fuck up. I mean, for the longest time, wow. you guys have been washing this guy's balls and now all of a sudden he struggles, and oh, let's let's just you know throw him to the curb. It just, yeah, we knew that. You, you, this friggin' media is building this narrative that continues to just be nauseating because then they just go back on it in a heartbeat. And I, I mean, that's just my my little. Uh, I'm on a you're a father so right now. Bitching. What language? Good <laughs> lord! Look, we called this after week one. We we never mm-hmm. bought into this garbage. No, oh, right. It was a it was a cute little story, but it was never gonna last. Another cute story, though, is the Chicago Bears offense. It's not good. It's you know they brought in Allen Robinson, uh, Trey Burton. That, that offense can't get going. And I mentioned in in one of the articles I released over at negpodcast.com that if the the defensive side of the ball, if the the Bears weren't playing so well, this would be a much larger story than it is. And I think Trubisky's a problem. And I know Sean, you have been anti-Trubisky from the jump. I mean, is have you seen any sort of growth in his game? Has he taken a step forward all in the second year? No. He's looked horrible. He's regressed. The, the other problem is, is Matt Nagy's supposed to be this inventive guy and everything else. He may have been for one half against Green Bay. It's been a poo-poo platter since. He's not putting Terry Cohen on the field. He's not getting the ball to Trey Burton. And he's not finding more creative ways to, to get the ball to Anthony Miller in space and obviously Allen Robinson, it's all bland, typical, normal junk from five to ten years ago. There's nothing creative. They might line up formation-wise goofy, but then when the play starts, it's like they just revert right back into the typical form of a standard play-action offense. And it's insufficient. Trubisky's afraid to get hit, and it's a major problem. Yeah. Well, Regarding Trey Burton, because I own him, he's he's been – Okay, I guess the last two weeks he's had 12 and 9 points. But with what that offense has available to it, I agree with Sean. He's, he's being incredibly underutilized. And this is a week where 
you'd have to think it's a great spot for him. The Bucks have given up a top 12 tight end the first three weeks of the season. So if they aren't going to him this week and he's not productive again uh, the way he should be on a, kind of a second-tier tight end level, then I have no more trust in what they're going to do with him this year. I agree. I agree. All right, we have your Cleveland Browns led by Baker Mayfield going to Oakland. The Monday Night Man has already told me the Browns are going to win. He said that on his uh, on his episode of the latest pen and paper episode talking about the Browns' uh, big week three victory that he was in attendance for. Um, Farky, what, what do you think? Do you think that uh, the Baker's going to lead the Browns to their second win in a row here or what? Oh, no doubt about it. Browns win this game. This is the easiest, probably the easiest money you can make all year <laughs> taking a Browns money line. Easiest. Oh, Jesus. Any That's game, great. any team, all year. Browns money line. Hope it stays at three or just above so you can hit that money line for something with decent value. Uh, I just traded for Carlos Hyde. He's my new guy. Go to. They're going to pound it with him. Touchdown every week. He's going to continue. He's not going to do it to me. He's going to continue again this week and get a touchdown. <laughs> Um, Baker, I don't think he's a, a true QB1 yet. We'll see in the next week or two once he gets rolling with starting this offense. Jarvis, huge game. I think he gets a, a ton of targets. Um, Amari Cooper and Marshawn Lynch, they're a little bit of roller coaster guys for me this week. If you have to play them, I say play them. And then my last take on this game is going to be on Jordy Nelson. I said <laughs> put him out to pasture last week, and I will not waver from that whatsoever. It's a whatever game. Three catches for a thousand yards, whatever it was, I don't care. Anybody that watched those three routes that he ran and those catches he had would would, would have to have just a, a semblance of a brain when it comes to football to know that he had nothing to do with that production. So you want to keep playing Jordy Nelson? Good luck. You're going to finish last in your fantasy league. I don't know. Not if you're in my league, <laughs> Sean. Because uh, I might finish last. It. That's I, that was self-deprecating, by the way. Yeah. And I, oh, I got it. I got I'm it. Sure uh, we saw plenty of zip on Baker's ball uh, What Thursday night. You know, he's obviously an upgrade from Tyrod Taylor. Will this continue moving forward for the rest of the season and thus bump up the rest of the uh, the, the wide receivers and running backs for the Browns? Well, uh, we've already had enough between the Monday night, man, our text chain, everything else. Let's just get to Sunday. Let's see what happens. I'll say this. If Oakland don't find a way to dial up a significant amount of pressure, about tenfold what they've done thus far, Baker's going to carve them. And Baker's getting to 300, and he's getting it efficiently, and there's a lot of numbers again of putting up all of a sudden with tight end, the receivers, the backs. It's just they're running in a different type of box. You can see the field shift and the safety's positioning and all the pre-snap stuff between Baker and... Tyrod. The Jets were shook when Baker came in and they had to play on their heels backwards rather than downhill forward and it made all the difference in the world. If that continues or if Oakland sits in a soft zone, it's pick, pick, pick and you're going to have guys with eight, nine catches and big numbers. So it all comes down to pressure. Can they find it? How's the road test going to be for Baker? I think the extra few days helps. I guarantee he's at the facility busting his ass working. I think even Ricardo Lewis tweeted about it. So I'm excited. I am to get the, to, to a possible second win after week four could be you know really the start of something. Hmm. Yeah, I mean I, I I understand the optimism in Cleveland right now. I mean I'd be excited too. 
He looks like the real deal. We've been on him since since what February. Uh, you know, the Monday Night Man was able to pay for uh, a few a few jerseys from his his winnings with with taking Baker plus thirty three hundred. You did too. Uh, so obviously, all good things in Cleveland looks like right now. Hopefully, that doesn't uh, go the other way. And also, the Browns defense is playing fantastic and is one of the more underrated units in the. And NFL. now they might be able to be off the field more. Right. Right. Now two teams that are not underrated are playing this weekend in Arizona, and that's the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Uh, God, these teams suck. I mean, you know, Josh Rosen, somebody explained to me why when the Cardinals have a game they, they actually could have won last week against the Bears, and Sam Bradford started off terribly. He was god-awful. But he actually was decent in the second half and put them in a position to win with two minutes left. So what do they do? The Cardinals bring in Josh Rosen for his debut. And what does he do? He throws a pick six. Fortunately for him, it was called back due to a, uh, a penalty. But he ended up getting sacked. Uh, I think he might have fumbled the ball as well. Just a stupid, stupid move by the Cardinals. But I feel like the Cardinals are making a lot of stupid, stupid moves. One being not playing David Johnson or not utilizing David Johnson as much as they should. We talked about this in the open a little bit. Sean, any of the David Johnson owners that took him top four, top five, you know, how are they feeling today? And then, Farky, follow that up because you have him in, in one of our leagues. So, Sean, I've got him in a league, actually mine. It's absolute panic. It's just terrifying panic. It's bad when everybody is rationalizing Josh Rosen's going to make it better and easier for him. That's the stage that we're at. Farky, tell, tell me you, you, that that's where you are as well. All right, so I got a little note scribbled down here under this game, and it is <laughs> hashtag hot take. David Johnson goes for RB1 numbers this week. Oh, oh hot take. Hey, yeah, you can take that. You can die on that hill. <laughs> I have to have something to believe in. Give me something to believe in. Jonesy Red Riders, come on. I, I'm, I'm hoping he does. If, if this is the week, I think it'll happen. Uh, hopefully this is the week it happens because I really don't think – I mean, Seattle's defense isn't great. They played pretty well last, last week. Uh, I'm streaming them in a, in a few leagues just because, frankly, you know, Arizona sucks. The, the offensive line isn't great. They're, they're not explosive. Uh, you know, Christian Kirk is, is turning into the de facto number one receiver because Larry Fitzgerald is finally, you know, starting to see, uh, see his age, I think. So, um, you know – I'm not on this game whatsoever, um, and I'm you know I'm curious though, Farky, have you explored trying to trade David Johnson? And if you did trade David Johnson, what could you expect in return for him? I can't. You know, David Johnson's like that like that troubled kid that you just can't give up on. I have him in Dynasty with the, with our boy Rue. Um, I had him win me a championship two years ago in in one of our fantasy leagues. Uh, after after four weeks, I just I can't do it. I, I haven't tried to trade him. I talked to Sean last week and said, you know, if they did plug Rosen in, I was at least going to give it a couple weeks. We didn't think it was going to happen until maybe the bye week, week seven. So I'm going to get to see it here a little bit earlier. Uh, no, to answer your question, I haven't. It hasn't even crossed my mind to, to work together a trade for DJ. Sean, what do you think? You're not going to get equal value, so there's no point. So, um... so you got to ride or die with it? Yeah, I think you do. Yeah. Okay. And I got one more take. We now know that Pete Carroll listens to this pod because I <laughs> lit him up on Chris Carson last week. Chris Carson goes for 100 yards, never even saw an open hole, still got the 100 yards, 73% of snaps. 
fit Rashad Penny's lazy ass down. Chris Carson, ride that train the rest of the year. He's a dog. Okay. All right. Uh, next game, we have the Saints at the Giants. Saints defense used to be good. I don't know what happened since last year. Uh, you know, we think this should be a shootout based on how the Saints offense have been playing, how the Giants defense has been playing, and vice versa. Sean, you think a little bit differently, so tell me why no, no, this I'm, is not going to be. I think it very easily should and will be that way because I don't think the Giants can block a soul, and I think New Orleans is going to get pressure and it's going to create a little bit of up and down. Uh, but if you just, I think it was two years ago, everybody's all geared up for a big shootout, and it fizzled out big time. And actually, I think the Saints lost that game um, two years ago, and it, it kind of created an issue for them throughout the season. So. Um, that said, I think the Saints, there's quite a bit of points that they put up offensively. All those guys are in great matchups. I think this is a spot for Beckham to blow up, but I also just kind of like Sterling Shepard. I just, he's he's a kind of nice RB or a wide receiver three. Just a nice play, could see 80 plus yards, maybe a touchdown, five, six catches. I think it's a tailor made spot for him. And also, too, you know, Marshawn Lattimore will be all over Beckham, or Odell Beckham all week, so or all game. So I think that uh, you're right. This is this will be a nice 15 point game for for Sterling Shepard as as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Now, my question though is is Michael Thomas going to keep up this record breaking pace of just targets and and catches? And same thing with Alvin Kamara. I mean, Alvin Kamara had what 15 catches last week on 20 on 20 targets. There's no way they can keep this up, right? Why not? They're running a shitload of plays. Drew Brees, the last three years, Drew Brees has been historically bad outdoors. I I would agree with that. I think they do struggle this week, but struggling may mean shorter passes, which means an accumulation of more of them to those two guys. The problem with with Michael Thomas is he's not getting anything downfield because I don't know that Brees has been able to throw consistently past 15 yards, it seems. Yeah, I mean, and there's nobody else. I mean, Ted Ginn's made a few plays here and there. Uh, Cameron Meredith had his first touchdown as his uh, his first catch of the New Orleans Saint last week, too. So, you know, there's not a ton of other options out there, so they're really just force-feeding both Kamara and Thomas. And now Kamara's popped up in the injury report with a knee, a knee issue. So, you know, I, he's been one of the busiest running backs in fantasy football or the NFL, obviously, in the first three weeks of the season. Uh, I think that... You know, Mark Ingram will come back and have a major role in Week Five. They're on a bye Week Six, so Ingram owners can look forward to Week Seven and on for production. I think that he's just going to be very, very important as uh, you know the the Saints want to make sure that Kamara doesn't kind of run himself into the ground here. So I like this game. Uh, I'm probably going to be on the Saints here. They always start off slow, and uh, they're sitting at what one and two right now. So I think that. Um, they, they, they need this win, and the Giants, I mean, we've seen that offensive line. It's garbage, and I think this this might be finally the week that the Saints' defense at least shows something. I agree that there's going to be a lot of points scored on both sides of the ball, but maybe the Saints will get to the quarterback a little bit or, or pick off a few balls. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. But one game that's not going to be that exciting, unfortunately, is going to be the San Francisco 49ers versus the Chargers. Obviously, last week the Niners lost Jimmy Garoppolo to a torn ACL as he was uh, scrambling out of bounds. Chargers no, he, offense. He wasn't. He wasn't scrambling out. Of right. Bounds. I'm He's sorry. An idiot. He, yes. <laughs> He's trying to pick up the extra yard. Planted. Left knee went out. Um, Chargers offense has been pretty good. I mean, obviously your boy Philip Rivers Fark. He's been playing well. Uh, I really like Keenan Allen this week to have a big game. Obviously, uh, Melvin Gordon has been a top five running back 
His reception numbers have been great. His rushing numbers have been great. So, uh, are there any other guys that you that Sean you're looking forward to uh, in this game? Well, I do feel vindicated, and you probably do as well last year because you were big on him. You know, with the draft, uh, Mike Williams. Yep. All the camp stuff this year. You always read, oh, this guy's popping. He looks awesome. He's and you read it. And you've been burned enough if you play fantasy. These guys, you take this guy. Devontae Parker's been that guy for three years consecutively. This year, I was following the Mike Williams stuff. I was really locked in. Hunter Henry injury kind of really kind of honed me in on that one. And I got him on three or four different teams, traded for him in another. He's I've reaped the benefit. Now, I've not started him every single week, unfortunately, but I think he's got big scores in each of the three weeks. I think, you know, Luke, you had him as kind of a not a dud the one week, week two, but he still had a touchdown in that week. Yep. Um, yep. So I think, yeah, he's he's a legit play. I think he's a, a solid wide receiver, too. And, you know, the, the Keenan Allen dinged up a little bit. Watch Mike Williams continue to kind of blossom and develop into a big time um, fantasy option. Farky, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, first off, get Buck Allen out of there. Uh, finally, that dude is gone. That's wrong, another wrong guy. team. We're, we're not we're not we're not on Baltimore yet. Fuck. Yeah, Buck we're Allen. Oh, Jesus. Oh, here's here's the only thing. I'll wrap oh, up. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was sorry. I was sitting over here because I spoke like three <laughs> minutes the last hour. So. Yeah, that's because Gurley got on. Start talking <laughs> oh. about the Pats and, and their depth chart. You know, and Cordell uh, Patterson, like he matters. I think San Francisco is going to be able to scheme enough. How about this? If he's good enough, I'll remember his first name. Cordell, Cardell, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, Shanahan's going to scheme up enough fantasy points to a George Kittle, not a Pierre Garzon, but a Brita and a George Kittle that I think those guys are going to get the ball at least in this game. But the 49ers are probably a dumpster fire moving forward. Oh, sure, right. we're not even on that game. Okay. No. Yeah. So now we can go to your game. Let's hear the Buck Allen take, Farky. Wax poetic about Buck Allen and, and Alex Collins here. I mean, how, but but seriously, what is John Harbaugh doing? Why is Buck Allen vulturing all of those touchdowns? It, it makes no sense. The dude stinks. He stinks. We talked, about this, we talked about this last week, Farky. Buck Allen is one of the least efficient players in NFL history, but he continues – to get in the end zone. He is a purely perfect trade candidate. I'm trying to get rid of him in every single league possible. Yeah, good luck. Here, here's yeah. the thing. Play the quarterbacks and the wide receivers in this game. That's What else is there? Javorius Allen's a pass here for me. Dude sucks. Um, Buck Allen. Be gone. So my question is, you know, I, I've got a lot of people on Twitter. You can follow us at Glory Podcast sending me questions about Guys like John Brown, Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed. Mainly Crabtree and John Brown. Is it is it just a coin flip each week, Sean, on, on which guy is going to score a touchdown or which guy is going to be the, the most targeted wide receiver on this team? Yeah, probably. I, I like Crabtree better, just more consistently. But, um, you know, John Brown was another guy in the offseason. They just you kept reading positive headline after positive one, and he's lived up to the billing. I think his speed's been different. Um, whatever what, the issues he had in Arizona staying healthy, he hasn't ran into those yet in Baltimore. Knock on wood for his sake or for his owner's sakes. And, um, you know, obviously Crabtree's just a consistent guy. Red zone, you kind of know what you get with him. Um, you know, in hindsight, he's someone that, like, the Falcons probably desperately, desperately should have tried to target. But they drafted Ridley, and they, they have what they have. 
Yeah, I tend to lean a little bit more towards John Brown here. Have, owning him in two leagues, I've, I've watched the production from week one go up. I mean, he's gone from 10% targets to he's getting almost 25% of the team targets now. So I think they're they're kind of moving the pendulum towards his way a little bit. I just so worry about my, his frame through a whole season. I mean, obviously these games are physical as hell. So all of these guys next week, you might have to take with a grain of salt, Antonio Brown notwithstanding. Yeah. Nice long touchdown by Cooper Cup sitting on my bench. That's fantastic. Uh, hey, hey Zimmer, how about you don't put a linebacker on on Cooper Cup? But uh, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and Farky, I'm going to give you the props here on this one. Uh, you said that Big Ben plays well on Monday night on in national TV, and he played well again. Uh, threw for a few touchdowns. I had him. I had him on my bench. Uh, you know, fortunately for the likes of Patrick Mahomes, so that worked out well for me. But uh, Usually struggles on the road, but not this time against that Tampa Bay defense. So undefeated, the reason. undefeated in primetime games on the road. Yep. Yeah, and, and he looked good. He looked really good. Obviously, Juju, you know, I'm not saying Juju's better than Antonio Brown by any stretch of the imagination, but Juju is starting to see more targets. Uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with Antonio Brown chirping or if maybe just Brown seeing tougher coverage, but Juju Smith-Schuster is a legit high-end wide receiver, too, for the next 10 years. Hot take. Well, being a Browns fan and watching Big Ben over his entire career, he's he's not that type of personality either. He's not the type of guy that's going to, um, you know, give sympathy targets to anybody. He he doesn't play into a lot of that locker room crap. He doesn't really even say anything in the media. He goes out there and does the same thing. So I think it's kind of a testament to him and his leadership with that team that Antonio Brown's in there bitching, causing this and that. And he says, whatever, I'm, I'm going to still go to the guy that's open, the guy that's, that's part of the play package. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. All right, last game that we'll talk about before we get into some uh, some trade advice, trade questions, Kansas City Chiefs at Denver. So obviously we talked a lot about uh, Patrick Mahomes last week. Guy continues to let it up. He has the best start ever for uh, the first three games of the season touchdown-wise. 13 touchdowns through three games, no turnovers. Uh, you know, everybody knew he had the potential in him, but I don't think anybody expected this. I surely didn't when I was drafting him late in our league. Um, you know, Sean, is what's, what can we look forward to in this week? Uh, what, what should we keep an eye on with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense? Uh, well, I'm fascinated to see how they play in the environment. I think Monday night, night, Denver, the altitude, just that situation, um, the stage. It's just going to Von Miller, their defense, Bradley Chubb. I'm just very, very interested to see how Kansas City reacts in this. They're favored, I think, five, five and a half. Um, I'll be very impressed if they go in there. If they win, it's one thing, but if they get dominant fantasy performance again, then I think like we're looking at. I'm calling it right now a little greatest show on turf type situation here because uh-huh. they will have started to demonstrate it, and this is a, a brutal environment to try and demonstrate it in. So they go and throw 30-plus up this week, um, and their defense sucks enough where they're going to always have to get 30-plus. That um, yeah. I think this is a great fantasy spot. If they score, Denver's guys are going to counter, and I think if you've got Sanders, Thomas, um and, and and even yeah, Sutton might be a sneaky play, and then whatever the hell they're doing, Freeman and and Philip Lindsay, um, those could all be meaningful plays as well. Now, Farkas, what are you, what's your thoughts on um, Kareem Hunt and and people who have him in their leagues? Because 
you know, fortunately he had two touchdowns last week, which saved his fantasy day, and he's had a touchdown every week, which has continued to save his fantasy weeks. But, uh, you know, the, the rushing numbers aren't there. He's not getting targeted in the pass game. You know, is this a cause for concern with, with Kareem Hunt moving forward? I think it is in terms of, of the yardage production and the targets. Um, you know, we I specifically called him last week as a big week for him, and he, he certainly didn't get the numbers, you know, running the ball. But, of course, you know, got those two touchdowns to save his day. Um, I think that's about the best you're going to get out of him right now, at least until this Chiefs offense slows down because it just comes down to playmakers and Patrick Mahomes is going to get the ball to the playmakers. So um, I think they'll still keep him involved, but it is not, if you're expecting the type of involvement that he had last year as a, as a baseline to that offense, it's just not the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I think the chiefs, they got to slow down eventually. I mean, there's no way that Mahomes keeps up with the 70 touchdown pace, obviously, but uh, you know, obviously they are an offense that just continues to be off, uh, electric each week. Mahomes is an every week starter. Uh, the dude's a stud. He's made people forget about Alex Smith, obviously. So um, here's here's the thing about that offense, though, that that's really interesting to me because I I start Mahomes. I know you do too. I've watched that close. It it is for as efficient as it's been. It's not complicated at all. If you watch closer this week, they just have weapons all over the place. All he does, we talked about with Sean in in the offensive coaching, and you know what they're doing with teams, and then saying you know it's about the quarterback on the field. He does everything. It's, it's just a simple offense. All he does is, is take basic reads off the defense. They do a little motion to find out whether or not it's man or zone, and they spread out the playmakers and dare you to play them one-on-one. And if you don't play them one-on-one, then they stretch the defenders. Mahomes is good at reading the flats defenders, the curl defenders, whatever it is, and then he makes the right throw. He throws darts, you run at him, he spins out, avoids avoids a tackle, and he's got the arm and the athleticism and the, the accuracy to make the play. So as far as, like, will they continue to, to be able to do it, there's nothing for really people to catch on to. It's I think it's the total playmaker package they have. That's a good that's a good take. Good take. Yeah, I mean, Should I would get... just the only thing I would add is I think Tyreek Hill is absolutely critical for them. I think spacing wise, attention, all the things that he can do, and then he can also just kind of incredible Hulk mode it and just streak any type of route that he runs, he just gets a massive amount of separation. It's just so much attention. And then a guy like Kelsey just reaps the benefit of it. And then you got Sammy Watkins, who can kind of still play. But if if Tyreek Hill is dinged up, or they have injuries, or the field you know conditions as the season goes along, how could or would that affect their offense? That's another interesting wrinkle as it goes along. Oh, I'll give so. you that. Yeah, has, he has to stay healthy. <laughs> All right, so week four, uh, just previewed it. Obviously, you know, it, it's a big week for a lot of people here. Uh, everybody in this podcast is looking for, for a win in the league from the Ville. Fortunately, uh, I've had a few other leagues where I'm doing well to kind of make up for my, uh, my poo-poo platter that's been going on the first three weeks here in our league. But um, we have a few listener questions we want to get to. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Glory Podcast. Check us out on Facebook, and we'll be sure to answer any question you might have. But the first one was DM'd to us by at Josh underscore FD23. He said he gave up Aaron Rodgers, Cooper Cup, Chris Carson. He got back Andrew Luck, Devontae Adams, Matt Breida. Well, before tonight, <laughs> I like that. Um, Cooper Cup just had a long touchdown. He's got three catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown already. But I think overall, uh, you know, again, I'm down on Aaron Rodgers, and I, don't, I think that Andrew Luck can only get better. Um, and, you know, Devontae Adams, it doesn't matter who's throwing the ball, whether it's, you know, Brett Hundley, 
Deshaun Kaiser, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to score a touchdown. So I'm actually firmly on the uh, Andrew Luck, Devontae Adams, Matt Breida side. But, uh, you know, Farky, what side do you think you take in this trade? It's interesting because I think I sent a message out earlier in the week that said, is this guy crazy? And that was my initial thought. But I, I don't have Matt Breida on any of my teams, and San Francisco hasn't been that good. So I haven't paid a ton of attention to him. I did a little research on him before the pod, and, man, he's been incredibly efficient this year. So mm-hmm. um, I, I definitely am leaning more towards that side of the trade now, especially dependent on Aaron Rodgers' knee and, the, and kind of some of the comments you guys made today. Of course, I love Chris Carson moving forward with him kind of solidifying himself last week. Uh, I would have said three days ago that I hated it, and it was a terrible trade for the person giving up the first three. But um, getting Andrew Luck, Adams, and Burita now seems maybe the better side of the deal. Sean, I, I, I any other will take? stick with uh, Rogers, Cup, Carson on that side of the deal. Okay. All right, Josh Gordon and Tyler Eifert for Mike Williams and Doug Baldwin, PPR. Sean, who won this one? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you, you guys take it. I'm just looking for some uh, some positive reinforcement. I'm 0-3. All right, all right. You, you take it. I got my popcorn ready for the next one. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Mike Williams, Doug Baldwin. I think he did a good job on this one. Uh, reason being, we've seen Mike Williams be a wide receiver too so far. He continues to be a red zone target. He's starting to get see more targets. I think he's now the number two wide receiver in San Diego. Obviously, behind Keenan Allen, uh, Antonio Gates is the, the guy. Is just he's out there. He's a shell of his former self. Tyrell Williams sucks, um, and then Travis Benjamin's still hurt, trying to come back. So I think Mike Williams is firmly the number two. And Doug Baldwin, I mean, if healthy, they're saying he might come back this week. He's a number one wide receiver, and he's a top fifteen guy each week. So you're telling me that you got a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two for the likes of Josh Gordon, Tyler Eifert. Yes, you did very, very, very good. So, uh, congratulations, I believe. Um, that's, and the uh, number one reason I did it is I couldn't stand having Josh Gordon on my team any longer. I believe it. Now, I believe you got that from the uh, from the Martin Cardinal squad? That's right. God, they're struggling. And then right? he was I, bitching I about not being able to pick somebody up because oh, yeah. uh, he, he rolled the dice with Josh Gordon. And it, all I did was bit my tongue because I doubt he listens to the pod. Uh, oh, he definitely does. Because he's a hater. That was it. That was an integrity move. Get that loser off your squad. You guys, you guys have too much class to have him on that roster. Yeah, and then I get a guy that throws a punch <laughs> in the first quarter. So go figure. But yeah, they're struggling this week. I traded them JJ uh, after their week, his week one performance, and obviously he got hurt and never came back. So uh, yeah, that, that squad's struggling. But uh, yeah, so get your popcorn ready, Farky. Farky just gave up. Rob Gronkowski for Carlos Hyde and Jordan Reed, the Monday Night Man, sent me a text saying, how good is this team going to be in Week 5, Grilly, because he's got Julian Edelman coming back as wide receiver 3. Sean, before I give my takes on this, I want to hear what you thought about I play the Monday Night Man this week, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, Farky. You absolutely did not have to do this deal this week. You had this (laughs) deal next week. You could have screwed him because the Monday Night Man – did not have anybody on his roster he was willing to cut other than Jalen Richard. I honestly think he would have went in against me with Jordan Reed posting a big old zero. I I I I asked him that yesterday and he said he wasn't sure, but he don't he doesn't think he would have cut anybody else. Listen, I I typically will worry about the other team because I would say a majority of the years I'm in the the upper echelon of the leagues. This year I'm at rock bottom with you in this league. I cared strictly about my needs, so you yeah. Know but what? You, didn't you need Gronkowski this week? No, I, I I needed Carlos Hyde a lot more. 
All right, then. Well, uh, from a pure value, I mean, obviously, you know, Farka, your running back situation is not ideal. We have, we're talking Chris Carson, uh, Chris Thompson, you got Alex Collins, some, some frustrating players that you have. They're not consistent week to week, so you felt the need to get Carlos Hyde there. I get that. Personally, I just I have no faith in Jordan Reed. Uh, you know, Sean said early on after the Monday night Monday Night Man drafted him that could not be one. That, that's probably the worst owner. I knew player I knew that would never last. Ever I knew it wouldn't. Matter. Um, nope. The way I look at it, I think that the Patriots offense will open up. It'll get better before it gets worse. Oh, it can't get much worse. But with Edelman coming back, it should open up some lanes for Gronk. I don't want to say you got hosed in the streaks. I don't think you got hosed. You really needed Carlos Hyde, but I thought you gave up a little bit too much value. I mean, Gronk's just an upper echelon player. You received two. You received two bit pieces back. I felt whereas yeah. Gronk I mean, is he's, uh, top. He's he's, he's he's the biggest difference maker in fantasy football. He really is. I would I would like to see divided by sixteen year by year his average per game totals. It's other than Kelsey, he's two or three points better than every tight end. I'd yep. have to look. Divided by 16 because he never plays 16 games. Well, I mean, that, that's well, obviously But you it. traded for a guy that – have you had I, I know. Reed Jordan Reed has history. This is strictly a Carlos Hyde trade, and I wanted – Jordan Reed has potential to be a very productive tight end. So uh, as long as he doesn't get hurt, yeah, there's risk there for me, but I had to get Carlos Hyde. And I'll tell you what, I, I would be terrified of starting multiple Patriots on my roster the same week. Man, that used to be uh, that never used to be an issue. Now all of a sudden it is. This this, this Patriot uh, reign of terror is, is ending way too fast, and I'm, I'm not ready for it. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, you never know how trade plays out until a few weeks down the line. Um, if you're saying you're tra- you essentially traded Gronk for for Carlos Hyde, I mean, in a vacuum, that's just a terrible, terrible deal for you. But hey, if, well, if you think Carlos I mean, Hyde I, is going to be this guy, I did. Jordan Reed's on bye this week. Otherwise, I've got a top five tight end that I'm starting every week. Oh, who? Jordan Reed's a top five tight end since when? 2013? Where, where, where did you have him rank going into this year? I, I Off my draft board. I didn't even want to touch him. I'm not talking I, about if you wanted to draft him. I'm saying where did he fall in the rankings? I mean, within the top ten, sure. But okay. After, All right, so I got after, Carlos Hyde in the top ten tight end. Okay. All right, hey, that, that's fine. If, if you're happy with the trade, I'm happy for you. That's all I'm, I'm happy for. You asked our opinion, I gave you my opinion. So, uh, next trade, speaking of tight ends, Jimmy Graham and Cooper Cup for Adrian Peterson and Jared Cook. PPR, who won? Farky, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go. AP and, and Cook. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go AP and Cook. You have, you have I, to assume yeah. that they needed AP on top of it, which I believe the team actually did. Um, and I think Cup is slotting in for the individual as a wide receiver three, if I remember correctly. So uh, Cook is giving you production that everybody thought Graham was going to give you. Um, so I think that isn't as kind of divided as one thinks. And AP looks like in that offense, if Chris Thompson stays healthy – AP success kind of rides with that. And it seems counterintuitive, but if Thompson's there, AP and Thompson are a perfect match, pairing with Alex Smith and whatever they can get from Crowder, Richardson, and you know, to Farkey's point, hopefully Jordan Reed as well. Mm-hmm. My, my thing is I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with Adrian Peterson. We saw him play pretty well last year with, with Arizona. Then all of a sudden went on the IR with a neck injury because his 33-year-old body just couldn't hold up. And 
it's not like he's being wrapped in bubble tape now or bubble wrap now. He's getting the ball 20 plus times a game with Washington. I'm just nervous that eventually his body's going to fall apart and we're going to see him back on the IR sooner rather than later. So because of that reason, I'm going to go Jimmy Graham, Cooper Cup. I'm not a Jimmy Graham fan. Uh, I like Cooper Cup in that offense. Like I said, I benched him tonight like an idiot. I'm very frustrated by that move, but it is what it is. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. So I'm going to go with Jimmy Graham, Cooper Cup. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Farke, you didn't really say too too much about this trade. If you have any more to say, or if not, we'll, uh, we'll move no, on. No, I was, I was, you guys pretty much hit it. I was really just trying to think of what I like better. But I, Sean kind of jumped in and said, look, they, they probably needed AP. So if that's the case, it makes sense. Similar to my trade. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. I wish you the best of luck. I just hope you don't beat me. Because and by the way, Gronk averaged under 12 points per week last year. So take that for what it's worth. Okay, we'll take it. All right, so uh, gentlemen, you guys got anything else you got to look forward to in uh, week four, other than getting your first win? That's oh, I'm winning. I got to find a miracle. <laughs> All right, I am so going up against guys... Cooks, and he's only got to make one catch for eight yards. So that's yeah, a little positive. That's a start. That's a start. All right, so remember, if you have any fantasy football-related questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at Glory Podcast. You can search for us on Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast. Same thing on iTunes, SoundCloud. Give us five five-star review. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. You know, get those numbers up. Uh, you can check us out on Thrive Fantasy, or not check us out, but you can check out Thrive Fantasy. Use our link that you can find in our Instagram account at Glory Podcast, and of course, check out www.negpodcast.com. Daily, we have new articles, episodes being released. Uh, the Bad Boys of Podcast released a fantastic uh, college football episode heading into week five. You guys did a great job on that. And then, obviously, we'll have Mike Super Contest picks coming out here on Saturday. And then uh, our our weekly NFL pick, I'm coming out, too, that uh, the one, Rue Phillips is still in the lead, which is which is uh, interesting. I mean, you know, Rue's actually been pretty good at the pick It's It's Memphis Matt who's really struggling right now. You and, and Farky, too, you, you've been struggling on that as well. But uh, I'm not doing too much better. I think I'm about uh, two, two games ahead of you. So um, be sure to check that out over at www.negpodcast.com as we continue to roll out the fantasy football, college football, and NFL-related content. So, gentlemen, good talking to you. Thanks for uh, picking up the slack when my daughter was having a meltdown there for 20 minutes. Um, I'm sure you missed my hot takes, but I'm sure yours were on fire as well. So enjoy the rest of Thursday Night Football, and we will talk to you guys next week uh, to go over Week 5 in the NFL season. Later. All right, fellas. See ya.